now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 243. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. And you first-time listeners, we're glad you've joined us. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com. Well, this week's podcast is coming to you from New York, where I attended the launch for Samsung's Galaxy S8 and Galaxy S8 Plus. So we're going to be talking about them on the program, all the new features. We're also going to talk you through our hands-on session that we had with the devices. And we're also going to talk to Samsung's, Samsung's Richard Fink about the devices too and how they're going to perform in the Australian market. Also on the show, we're going to talk about the MPs, federal MPs that have had their first taste of driverless cars, so autonomous driving coming to Australia. We're going to also chat about the Microsoft Surface Studio, which will be available in Australia, and why Australians are moving from broadcast TV to broadband TV. And we'll finish it off, as we always do, with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A huge show for you, so let's jump straight in. Well, as we said, we are here in the Big Apple for Samsung's launch of the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus. Now, I wrote a rumor story a few weeks ago, and I uh, the rumors were pretty much spot on. So it, it was interesting to see them in the flesh, though. Samsung announced these products at an event at the Lincoln Center, which was uh, which is up in uh, near the near Columbus Circle. Anyone who knows New York, it's up up behind Columbus Circle. It was uh, a big event, and as as Samsung as Samsung always do in recent events, they kicked it off by saying talking about the challenges they've had and all the difficulties that they've had in light of the Note Seven, and this was obviously the very first device Samsung has launched since the Note Seven, so all eyes were on them, and this needed to be a, a device that would be impressive that would really knock it out of the park. And I think they've succeeded. These are some pretty impressive devices. The S8, which has a 5.8-inch screen. The S8 Plus has a 6.2-inch screen. Now, those screen sizes sound huge. But what Samsung's done is they've taken a different approach to the screen. What they've done is gone for a longer, narrower screen. So the aspect ratio is 18.5.9. So imagine a cinema screen turned on its side. That is the shape of the Galaxy S8 and the S8 Plus. Now what that achieves is the is the ability to fit in a larger screen in a relatively smaller space. 
Now it sounds a little bit Doctor Who and 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 I like the TARDIS. So there's a massive space inside. It's smaller than the outside, but uh, bigger on the inside than on the outside. Well, what they what helps them achieve this this form factor is this their what they're calling their infinity display. Now the S8 and S8 Plus don't have a curved edge as pronounced as the S7 edge. But it is a little bit in between the. It's it's more like the Note Seven's curve on the screen. So it's not flat like the S Seven. The curve, the slight curve on the screen, helps gives it that edgeless look, and it's like the screen sort of has no and no end to it, and that that's what helps them retain it. What what they've also done is got rid of the home screen, and they've also they even don't even have room to have to include their name. The brand name can't even fit on the front of the phone. It has to sit on the back. Uh, and without the home button, you're also losing the fingerprint reader from the front. That's also been relocated on the back beside the camera. Uh, other other specs, uh, you've got to remember this is uh, a pretty impressive product in terms of processor power. I'll talk about that in a moment, but just in terms of the specs, uh, there's going to be f- three colors available in Australia. There's going to be black, gray, and gold. The back is a nice glossy, glossy color. And the screen resolution is 2960 by 1440. So that's 570 PPI. That's pixels per inch. That's for the S8 Plus. And the S8 has 529 pixels per inch. So it's a super AMOLED screen, super bright, super sharp. What they've also included on the security front, I mentioned the fingerprint reader has gone to the back. What they've introduced is a feature that was first we first saw with the Note 7, and that's the iris scanner. And what that means is that it can scan your eyes, so you just need to look at the device to unlock it. There's also facial recognition, and you've got your fingerprint fingerprint reader. There's the option also of having a passcode. So you've got all the security options literally at your fingertips. Now, I was mentioning the other features, and one of them is Bixby. Bixby is its new intelligent user interface. Now, this isn't just a glorified search engine and reminder setter, which all the other assistants can do, including iPhone Siri. This goes a little bit deeper. This knows what you're looking at on the screen. It's aware of your habits. And the more you use it, the more it will get used to you. So it will do things like remind you uh, if you normally call your wife on the way home from the office, it will say, you normally call your wife on your way home about now. Would you like me to dial her? Or it'll, it'll, it'll also, it can, use, it can use the camera to see things as well. So not only can you talk to it, and Samsung says that anything you can do with touch, you can do with voice. So, for example, you'll be able to, if you're looking at a photo, you might say, uh, rotate right or reverse it. Whatever you want to do, uh, crop it here or how, however you want to do it. You should be able to do that with your voice. But looking through the camera, it can also learn things, translate things. So if you're in, a, say, a French restaurant, for example, and the, the menu's in French, you can actually put the camera on. Bixby can translate all of that into English in real time. It can translate up to 52 different languages, so it's pretty smart. You can also look at things, so objects that you may want to know more about, objects that you may want to buy. Uh, there was an example where uh, we pointed Bixby's camera at the at the a book, and it, it showed that book uh, available from all these different places, all the different prices where we could buy it on the spot. And you can do the same thing with clothing. If you, if you say a friend of yours is wearing an outfit that you really like, you can just point the camera and it can work out 
what the outfit is, where it was purchased. So that's how smart this thing is. So I'm really interested to try it out for myself once I get my review unit. But on the on the processor side, this is for me one of the most interesting features. And we're talking here; it's got a, a an octa core sixty four bit ten nanometer processor. And what that basically means is that it's powerful. It it is laptop class power, and it it, it takes advantage of that with a great new feature called Samsung Dex. Now this allows you to connect the phone to a small dock that can then be connected to a monitor and a keyboard. And what it basically does, it becomes your desktop PC. So it creates an Android, a desktop version of Android, and you can then use it for email, creating documents, editing documents, watching things. You can still make and receive phone calls. I'll talk a little bit more in the next segment on my hands-on of just how powerful it is. But that, to me, I think is one of the features that we're going to hear a lot more about. Now, it's got 4 gig of RAM on board as well, and it's also got expandable memory. So it's got 64 gig of internal memory, and you can put in a micro SD card up to 256 gigabytes. So you can expand your storage there as well. Uh, Samsung also announced uh, their a new Gear VR, as well as a 360 camera, the Gear 360. So they have updates for both of those. The device, by the way, is also waterproof and dustproof. It's still got its IP68 rating. On the camera side, pretty much identical camera to the previous model, the S7 Edge. Uh, but one uh, update is that the front camera is now 8 megapixel and also has autofocus. So that makes your selfies, taking those selfies, even easier. Uh, that's it for the announcement. Um, if you want to read more about that, you can check that out. We've got all the details, but, but we, the next segment we're going to talk about in my hands-on experience. But if for now, if you want to just read about the device itself, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, the great thing about being here for the launch is the fact that I was able to get my hands on the device. It's one thing when you're on the other side of the world watching a live stream, but you, you're not here, you're not there, obviously. And while you're getting the information, the experience of being here and actually getting your hands on the product, uh, you just can't beat that. And I was lucky enough to do that. I was lucky enough to get my hands on both the S8 and the S8 Plus. And I think the minute you put this thing in your hand, you realize that, wow, this is a really high-quality, well-built device. Now, first thing you're going to notice is that the screens are large, but it, you're not holding a large device. And it does that because it's got that narrower screen, longer screen, and the other advantage of that is that it fits in your hand really well. You can still use the S8, even the S8 Plus, for like 90% of that home screen, you can reach it with one hand, which for a 6.2-inch display is amazing. And if, if you look on my story, my hands-on, I actually put up, I had the Tech Guide, pod, uh, the Tech Guide website on the screen, and you can just see how much you can read without scrolling. So those longer screens are going to be uh, uh, advantageous when you're doing things like browsing the web or writing emails, 
reading ebooks. You can even multitask and say run, run a, a video at one end while you're messaging about that video on the bottom half of the screen. Or run a browser and your email. So it really does offer that uh, that that more more real estate for you to to start multitasking. Now the device in your hand feels great. The back edges are also curved, so it does naturally fit the curve of your hand. Uh, and as I said, really easy to use with one hand. Now. The home button is gone, as I said, but when you press the home button on the screen, you get a little buzz, a bit of haptic feedback to tell you, yes, you press the home button and you're going back to the home page. You can easily find all your apps. Bixby has got its own button on the left-hand side, just below the, the volume keys. That hit, Hitting that once brings the Bixby home page, which kind of looks like Google Cards, all this information that you've got, uh, recent apps you've used. So relevant information for Bixby to, to, make, uh, to, to do whatever you ask it to do, that's accessed by the button. So you can't just say, hey, Bixby, and it'll work like Google Assistant or with Siri. This has got a dedicated button so you can wake up Bixby. Uh, so on the other side, of course, you've got your on-off button. There is a headphone jack, too. They haven't got rid of the headphone jack. It's got a USB-C port, too, for fast charging. But on on the Samsung, we, we tried Bixby, too. We pointed at a pot plant, and it showed us the actual what, what type of plant it was, as well as showing uh, where we could buy it, what best tips on how to grow that properly, all that sort of thing. So it has that, that uh, relevant information. And it knows it knows the context of what you're talking about. So, for example, if I'm looking at a photo on the screen, and I'm, I say to Bixby, "Send this to my mother," and it'll know that this means the photo that I'm looking at, and it'll know then the most the the most frequently used way that I message my mother and assume that, that that's what I want to do. Uh, so you can say things like, "Turn the brightness down fifty percent," or show me the last photo that I took or show me the photos I took in New York and it can grab those for you straight away. So it is it is, it is, is a smart, intelligent user interface that I think once it's open to developers, it's only available with apps that run from Samsung, so native apps. But once it's open to third-party developers, I think you're going to see some incredible apps and incredible capabilities. But the other thing that I tested out was Samsung DeX. Now, this is the way that you can turn the phone into a desktop computer. So the Dex dock looks like a hockey puck with a, a lid on it. So you open it up and you, you pop the phone in. It connects through USB-C. It's also got a backing. Uh, it's, it rests against a cooling plate so that uh, they must have seen that if it's being used as a desktop computer, it may run a little hot. So there's a desktop fan to keep it cool. Not that it felt hot to me. I, I felt that it didn't feel hot at all. But I did try running multiple applications at the same time. And I was running two browsers. I had a video running. I opened PowerPoint, Excel, and Word. And it was all running seamlessly without missing a beat. And the good thing about it is that when you're done, you don't need to save things and, and shut things down. You just simply take the phone out of the dock and go. Because everything's on the phone, you've got to remember. So you can just imagine how handy this would be for a, a mobile professional who may need to do some work in an airport lounge, and they can simply pop their phone into this dock without having to even touch their laptop and get those emails done, finish those documents, do whatever they have to do. The, the, the tasks that you'd normally have to pull out your laptop computer to, to complete, they'll be able to do that now using Samsung DeX. That, to me, is really, really impressive. Now, the phones themselves, they've announced all the plans. 
we have outlined every plan from every telco. And we're talking, of course, Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, Virgin Mobile. But there are also deals through Woolworths Mobile as well as Amazing. Amazing are offering uh, outright purchase. So you can pre-order the device. You can already pre-order started on March 31. And if you pre-order, you not only get the Gear VR and $50 worth of Oculus content, you'll also get the phone a week early. You'll get it on April 21, and if it, uh, you, that's a week earlier than retail. So if you wait till the day of release, that'll be April the 28th. So if you pre-order, you're going to get it a week early on April the 21st. That's a pretty good deal. The pricing is $1,199 for the S8. Thirteen hundred and forty-nine for the S8 Plus. Now that's pricing we expected, but there's some pretty competitive plans out there, including some interesting plans from Telstra. Telstra got a pretty good ninety-five dollar a month value deal there to get about twelve gig of uh, data a month. What we've done on Tech Guide is actually, apart from writing all these reports, our, our hands-on and the, and the announcement reports, we've also gone through and listed the cheapest plans the most expensive plans, and the best value plans, in our opinion, just to make it a little bit easier for you to get to the bottom of it. Uh, all of that information, if you read, want to read those stories, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, before we talk to Richard Fink, I thought we should talk about how, what's the next play here for Apple? Now, Samsung and Apple are pretty much battling it out at the top of the tree there, and this is a pretty major announcement. This is Samsung's flagship phone. I know the Note 7 was a big announcement last year, but that was pretty much a niche product. It, 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 re, it was a, a high-quality phone, one of the best phones I've ever used, and unfortunately all the, all the woes that then beset, beset this device, the battery issues and eventual cancellation of the product itself, uh, that, that, that really sort of cost the company not only money, but also a little bit of market share and reputation. With the S8 and S8 Plus, this is going to be, this is their flagship device, their, their bread and butter flagship, let's call it. This is the one that's going to go head to head with the iPhone. And they're going to have some pretty clear air before an iPhone even appears. Although I think what Apple is planning to do, and I, I've, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, I think what Apple's going to do is announce their new iPhone in June. And that's when the Worldwide Developers Conference takes place. It starts on June the 5th, and I think they're going to show the world the new iPhone, which will have a radically new design, bigger screen in the same space, similar to what Samsung's done with the S8. And it's going to have some development opportunities there as well. They're going to have uh, facial recognition and all, all these options for developers. And what better time to show that to developers than at the Worldwide Developers Conference? So my thinking is that Tim Cook will get up and say, right, here it is. We're going to show you the iPhone now. It won't go on sale till September, but here it is. Go make stuff for it. And what it will do, not only will it give the developers some lead time to have apps and their, uh, everything ready to go by launch in September, it will also allow the customers, potential customers, to see what's coming. And what Apple hopes is that customers will say, right, I'm waiting for that. That is my next phone. So rather than just giving Samsung all that free air all, till, all the way till September, I think Apple are going to come in early in June. That's only a couple of months away. And say, right, 
this is the new iPhone, here it is. June also happens to be the 10th anniversary of the iPhone as well. It was the first model was launched in June 2007. So it's a nice symmetry to see the 10th anniversary iPhone unveiled in June 2017. So that's what I think is going to happen. I could be wrong, but I'd say Apple, they'd, be, they'd miss a great opportunity. They've got the eyes of the world on them, all the, great, all the world's best developers uh, at their, at, literally at their doorstep uh, in San Jose for the event. I think it'd be a shame not to show them what's coming up. Anyway, let's change gears. We're, we've got a, we've had a chat with Richard Fink, who's Samsung's head of mobile in Australia. We uh, we caught up with him and talked to him about what the devices mean for a, a Samsung going forward and how it's the market is going to accept them. And here's what he had to say earlier. Hi, Richard. Thanks for joining me. We're in New York City, and you've just unveiled a couple of new devices: the Samsung Galaxy S8 and the S8 Plus. How, how important are these devices for the Australian market and what, what sort of pressure is on the company for these to be a real success? Uh, look, Steve, these are uh, obviously very important for us in 2017. Uh, in fact, we believe we've set uh, groundbreaking innovation for, for the industry generally with these devices. So uh, we're, uh, we're very exciting, excited to be able to launch them. And we're going to see them pretty soon and number of colours available. Any, any tip on what, what colours Australia is going to get? Or? Yeah, look, these will be uh, available for customers to pick up at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be seeing them in three fantastic colours, a midnight black, orchid grey, which is a very new colour but looks absolutely spectacular, yeah. uh, and maple gold. Gold, yeah, gold's one of my favourites. Yeah, Australians like gold. like gold, yeah. Traditionally it's been sort of black, silver and gold, but... The orchid grey is uh, a very, uh, very new and fresh colour. In the competitive smartphone market, it was, uh, I think, important that, that you simply having a bigger screen and a bigger battery wasn't wasn't going to cut it anymore, was it? Oh, look, Australians love love big screens. It's uh, um, probably around the world. It's one of those markets that uh, the bigger the screen, the the, mm-hmm. the better. Um, and what we've been able to do really is find that perfect balance between. Uh, I guess an incredibly bright and beautiful big screen, but we've actually kept the size of the device very similar. In fact, only just a little bit bigger than the old S7 and S7 Edge. Yeah, I think isn't the S the S8, which has a bigger screen than the S7, is actually smaller than the S7. Is that right? That's right. That's remarkable. So we've got a 5.8 inch, 6.2, and and even the 6.2. I've got to say that's. In your hand, it didn't feel like a six-inch phone. Like there are some big devices out there, and they're massive. But yeah, no. Look, what, what we've been able to do is really, I guess, push the screen right to the edge of of the device. In fact, we take up about eighty-three percent of that front is all all screen. Yeah. Um, but what we've done, which is actually quite revolutionary, is it's not just beautifully designed, but it fits really comfortably in one hand. So it's uh-huh. a tiny bit thinner than some of the smartphones you've seen previously. I know the, the screen's quite... So it's 18.5 by 9. Yeah, so, so it's... So it's a, pretty narrow, but long long in your hand, isn't it? Yeah, so look, yeah. that that's probably you know, much closer to a true cinematic experience from a, from a viewing a movie perspective. So it's, you know, HDR content. So you'll actually be able to view a movie almost like it was made for the big screen. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 that's one thing about the, our devices, our use of the, our devices now. We're, we're consuming so much content on the move, especially video content. Yep. So th- this really plays into what the customers are really after, aren't they? Yeah, it? no, look, look, absolutely. Um, video content, video on the go... 
Uh, even Netflix content on the mobile phone in Australia is just completely taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you couple that with um, our absolute need for social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and then you know this is just also a perfect productivity device for, for work with the big screen for easy reading of emails or looking yeah. at documents. I'll, I'll get to Samsung Dex in a moment, yep. but but Bixby—that's that, a really yeah. interesting addition. So the the artificial intelligence has come to the smartphone. Yeah, look, you know, in Galaxy S8, I guess we introduced the world to to Bixby. Um, it's our, let's call it the intelligent assistant that, that sits on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for us, it introduces uh, both voice and vision as new ways to, to essentially easily use your phone. Yeah. So you add that to touch and text, um, and you add the four of them together, and they all work together seamlessly mm-hmm. and just makes it easier to use your phone. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, that one extra step. I, I, know, I think that, that I understand it, whatever you can do with touch, you can do with voice. Yeah, so at, at, at start, and look, Bixby's very new, so at the yep. first instance, um, it'll run across a lot of the sort of native apps on the phone, na- native applications, yep. contacts, you know, um, native settings, pictures, galleries, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, it'll certainly grow with mm-hmm. Samsung with other applications. And the, uh, the device is quite powerful too. I think what illustrated that for me was Samsung Dex. So this is yes. how you can yep. connect your device to a monitor, keyboard, and, and run it like a computer. Yeah. So, look, it, it's an industry-first, what we call a 10-nanometer processor. Yeah. But really, what that means, it, it's super powerful and uses a whole lot less battery life as well. Um, that's essentially enabling us to create a product like Dex, which is, which is effectively a, let's call it a docking station. You can dock your phone into that with a monitor, as you say, mm-hmm. and the power of the phone can pretty much create a, a desktop experience for you. In big screen, you can multitask, you can internet explore, you can do emails, uh, you can look at your photos, edit your photos. Mm. It's quite powerful. I, I saw he was running two browsers at once, taking a call, yeah. editing a document. So yeah. this is a great replacement. So if you're on the road for productivity, it's a handy addition. Yeah, look, I, I certainly used uh, Dex uh, in December um, for a really early demonstration, and after about a couple of minutes, I forgot it was running off a mobile phone. It was yeah. it was just that seamless. Absolutely. Now it's pretty hard not to talk about this new device without sort of looking at what the company's been through in the last few months. Now the how, how is is there any pressure on on the company thinking? Well, this one has to be an absolute hit to to sort of climb back to where you were. Oh look, I think Steve, you and I know it's it's a competitive industry. All around, and, mm-hmm. and as I said, I, I think we've nailed it with this one. This is, uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess to me it creates a, you know, a completely new experience for customers that, that sits beyond a traditional smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many features and services here, the big screen experience, but, you know, also importantly, we, we've got lots of different ways for customers to make it easier for them to use. Yeah, no worries. Well, I look forward to getting my hands on one. Appreciate uh, your time. Me too. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information like passwords and photos and credit card details to hackers and identity thieves? 
Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about your hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi Privacy app. It's available for Android, iOS, and also now runs on Mac and Windows laptops. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. Well, the Microsoft have introduced an excellent product. It's called the Surface Studio. Now, this is a desktop computer that has a 28-inch monitor. It's got a small footprint as well with its, the CPU. But the big difference here is that the Microsoft device, the Surface Studio, the screen, which is brilliant, 28-inch screen, can actually be tilted and laid almost flat on the desk so you can draw on it like a big tablet. It sits at an angle like a draftsman's table. So imagine how in the upright position you could be editing your photos, editing videos, and then if you need to draw something, sketch something, design something, you can then put that put that screen down nearly flat on the desk and have all of that space to play with. It's a 28-inch pixel sense display. There's the, it's got 10-bit color depth with 13 million pixels. It's also compatible with the Surface Pen, which you, which a lot of people may have used with the Surface Pro 4 tablet, but also compatible with a new product called the Surface Dial. This is a mouse-like product that offers a radial on-screen menu of tools. You can actually place it on the screen, and what will happen is all these tools will radiate out from it, and you just simply twist the dial to find the settings you want. It really makes it easy to to uh, work out, works with a number of apps and work what you want to use uh, in terms of drawing tools on the screen. The Surface Studio is powered by an i5 or i7 Intel Core processor, it's got up to 4 gig NVIDIA GeForce uh, graphics processor unit, up to 30 gig of RAM. Uh, so you can have, it's a pretty powerful machine to work with your documents. Now the, uh, the device has uh, up to, it can be configured however you like, but starting, the price starts at $4,599. That's for the Intel Core i5 with 8 gig of RAM, 2 gig uh, graphics processor, and 1 terabyte hard drive. And it goes all the way up to $6,599 for the Intel Core i7 processor, 32 gig of RAM, 4 gig graphics processor, and a 2 terabyte hard drive. So quite powerful machines. These aren't cheap. The Surface Studio uh, is, is meant for, obviously, for high-end designers and, and artists and people like that. So, uh, but you do get a lot of for what you pay for. I think that that screen in itself is something that uh, that designers and artists and, and and creative types will absolutely adore. And I think great news it is coming to Australia. It was released in in the US in October uh, last year. So good to see that it is finally coming here in Australia. If you want to check that story out, you can check it out and re- read all the details, and also you can see all those prices as well. If you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
Now, the uh, federal MPs last week were given their first taste of autonomous driving when Volvo turned up with a couple of XC90s in a special exercise. This was, uh, this was a, a, an opportunity to give these federal MPs their first look at what autonomous driving is. So the, the members of the House of Representatives Standing Committee on Industry, Innovation, Science and Research were the ones who were given an opportunity to take part in this drive. So driverless vehicles, they were the Volvo XC90 cars. Uh, and, and an autonomous vehicle is something that it can accelerate, steer and brake itself without any intervention by the driver. So this this really is comes along at the right time because the, at the moment is the start of the process where the government's going to make decisions on what autonomous driving is and what drivers can and can't do, what cars can and can't do. It's going to be a long process, but we have to start somewhere, and this is that start. Uh, I, I read an interesting stat to say that a child born in 2017 may never, ever have to learn how to drive. Because imagine, by the time they're 17, which is the legal age to get your license, imagine what cars will be doing then. Uh, you can only imagine that. But Volvo's been pretty dedicated to the whole autonomous driving, and the XC90 already has autonomous driving features. While they're not legal to use all at once, it does help uh, with some lane assistance and other things like that, and also helps you with your braking and in city driving or, or highway driving as well. But Volvo's got a vision. Their vision 2020 is that no one will be killed or seriously injured in a new Volvo car by 2020. That's just that's less than three years away. So pretty ambitious stuff there, but good to see that the ball is already rolling when it comes to autonomous driving here in Australia, and I think that there's going to be a lot of people looking forward to that day. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, haven't we changed our viewing habits? We're, uh, we, we, do, we do love watching our TV shows and movies, but how we're watching our TV shows and movies is the biggest change. Now, just, just last week, Netflix celebrated their second anniversary here in Australia, and what a massive difference it has made to our viewing habits. There's some research out there to say that the our switch from broadcast TV to broadband TV with uh, subscription video on-demand services like Netflix, like Stan, are expected to more than double in Australia by 2022. Now, that's just five years away. So uh, Ovum released a, a video forecast and predicted that 7 million Australians will have uh, an SVOD account, subscription video on-demand account, in five years. That's an increase of 170% on the 2.6 million people that are already subscribing and driving revenue revenues up more than $1 billion. Netflix and Stan are expected to take 70% of, their, of that profit. Uh, so it really does has changed the landscape. The whole binge viewing watching programs on demand, programs being released all at once. Gone are the days where you have to tune in every week at the same time to watch a different episode. Now shows, most shows uh, that come to those platforms, subscription video on demand platforms, are released all at once. So there may be 10 episodes that are just, boom, straight out there. You can watch them all in a weekend or in a day if you've got plenty of time. So what what the other findings are that we've seen, Ovum's and Telsite, they've done a pretty similar thing with their digital consumer study, shows that 46% of the country has relied on the internet as their main source of entertainment. That's nearly half, 
Nearly half of people are using broadband instead of broadcast to be entertained. Renting or purchasing a movie or TV show has decreased, though, by 19% in the last 12 months, with viewers choosing to stream content on their video-on-demand service instead. So instead of waiting for that new release video to be to rent it straight away, people are prepared to wait. 19%, as a matter of fact, are prepared to wait and, until it's available on Netflix. We should, make, we should point out that when something comes out on Blu-ray, I'll use Rogue One as the example. That comes out this week on Blu-ray. If you want to watch that this week, you need to either buy the disc or rent it from Foxtel or one of these these rental places. For it, before it comes to Netflix, I think you're, gonna, you're talking months. It could be three to four months before that is available to stream, probably longer before you can view Rogue One on either Netflix or Stan or whoever ends up with it. I think Force Awakens is on Netflix. You can watch that. But that took quite a while. We're talking many months before that was available then. Another another factor that's helping is the NBN. And the, the, their, their network traffic data report shows that homes connected to the NBN, they're downloading more content than ever before. So on average, an NBN-connected home uses 148 gig of data per month. That's 32% more than just last year. So imagine how that's going to increase as we move forward as well. And the NBN is scheduled to be completed by 2020. By mid-2017, they're going to say that the rollout's going to reach more than half of Australian homes. At the present, it's one in three. But by the middle of this year, they're going to say one in two. And by 2020, they're going to say everyone's going to have it. So I can't wait for that. I think I'm scheduled for a 2018 or 2019 in-store where I live, but I'm not holding my breath. Hopefully, they're going to stay on track there. If you want to read more about that study, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, we live in a world where our connected devices have become an indispensable tool in all our lives. Introducing the Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Wi-Fi Router. Built using the latest in Wi-Fi technology, the X10 allows users to get faster Wi-Fi speeds on multiple devices simultaneously and is perfect for 4K streaming, VR and super fast data transfers. The X10 features the latest 11AC and 11AD network technology, allowing users to wirelessly transfer data at 46 gigabits per second. This means your 4K video will take seconds, not minutes, to transfer. The Net Nighthawk X10 smart Wi-Fi router is also built to meet the needs of today's connected home. From connected deadbolts, smart lights, or RLA Wi-Fi cameras, the four powered active antennas reduce interference and intelligently direct Wi-Fi across large distances. The Nighthawk X10 is also the first router with the Plex media server built in. Plex organizes all of your video, music, and photo connection, collections and gives you instant access to your content using an always-on router. Wireless to stream 4K video to any device. Jitter-free for the ultimate family movie night. The Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Router contains a quad-core processor for unparalleled speed and power to keep up with your fast-paced lifestyle. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Nighthawk X10, the world's fastest Wi-Fi router. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A couple of quick ones in the Tech Guide Help Desk. Uh, The first one was from a reader who emailed me asking, is there a way to connect a USB or a memory card to an iPad? Well, the answer is yes, sort of. 
Now, there are some devices. There, there are some products you can buy that are, I know that uh, there is plenty of these on the market. Different brands, SanDisk make some, Lexar make them as well. And what they are, uh, the, the SanDisk version is like a two-ended USB drive. One end is your regular USB connection. The other end is a lightning connection. So what it allows you to do is stick one end into the computer and download all your data or everything you want to see on the iPad. The other end has a lightning connector. So when that, that connects to the iPad or iPhone, you can then, it opens up the app, the SanDisk app, and that gives you the file structure then to look through whatever's on that USB and play it whether it's video, pictures, music, whatever you want. So that, that's one way you can do that. The Lexar is like a mini micro SD reader, and it's got a lightning port, a lightning connector on it, so you stick that in, have your memory card in there, and that kind of creates, it almost creates like a memory card slot. And again, the app opens up, and you can access whatever's on that uh, memory card through the app on your iPhone or iPad. Moving along, another question from a listener regarding their iPad, and they're talking about Foxtel Go and how they love to watch the footy on Foxtel Go, but they were hoping to connect a cable from their iPad to watch the footy on their television. I've got some bad news for you. You can't do that. It won't allow you to airplay or connect from the device to a screen to watch in full size because those rights are owned by Channel 9 and Foxtel. The limit to the app size is the size of your iPad uh, and whatever tablet you happen to be viewing it on. So there's no way you can connect that tablet and watch it on a larger screen. If you want to watch footy on the larger screen, you need Foxtel or Channel 9 to do that. So the same thing goes for Foxtel Go, where a lot of people who have that app uh, and then want to watch other programs, forget the footy, uh, that just, you cannot do it because Foxtel want you to buy Foxtel. They want you to have a Foxtel account. They want you to have either a Foxtel set-top box or Foxtel Play, one of those services. So not only does it go for the footy, it goes for every other program you're watching on Foxtel Go app as well. So uh, I've written about all those in the past too. You can check them out, techguide.com.au. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au and feel free to get in touch. Email us at info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week when we're back in Australia. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 